0: Are you an adventurer looking to take your hunt to the next level? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the East Meets West Hunt podcast presented by Onyx. The Onyx Hunt app is a mobile GPS app for your phone, for your desktop, for your tablet, for hunters by hunters. There's more information than you ever thought possible, from private land boundaries all the way to uh, aerial imagery with 24K topo, offline maps, so you can hunt the backcountry without worrying where you are with saved maps for offline use, custom waypoints, whether you're finding your way back to that wallow, rub, or lookout by dropping custom waypoints, you can have a reminder of what you found and where you found it. And then you can share those waypoints with your friends and families who hunt with you to know exactly where your position's at. And if you need to be able to find your way back to your vehicle, or if you're shed hunting and want to just keep an idea of your track, use the tracking feature to track the distance of travel time and uh, time elapsed while leaving a clear path to follow back to camp. And those are just a few of many features that are within the Onyx Hunt app. I would highly recommend, if you haven't already, head over to onxmaps.com, check out the hunt app, and if you use the coupon code EMW, you will save yourself 20% off of the app. So Tethered. Tethered evolved from a burning desire to provide quality gear and resources to the saddle hunting community. The saddle hunting community is a very niche component of the greater hunting industry as a whole. But uh, they noticed that there was a lack of availability and innovation in saddle-specific gear. So they solved this problem with designing, engineering, and producing the most mobile, stealthy, and safest elevated hunting gear on the planet. So if you're interested in checking out the lightest, least bulky, most versatile, and safest uh, hunting system in the world – Go over to tetherednation.com, check out the different platforms that they have there, the saddles, all the components, and even more importantly, use the resources that they have to learn about saddle hunting. Learn about it before you make a, a purchase, and uh, I can promise you that it uh, it was something that opened my eyes to a whole other way of hunting, so check that out at tetherednation.com. And the University of Elk Hunting, so Corey Jacobson and Elk 101 have put together the most fully comprehensive elk hunting learning course available, 17 modules that go through every aspect you can think of from the planning phases all the way through getting prepared from fitness to shooting to scouting to what you're doing during the hunt, learning elk behavior, and every little thing in between. This is an extremely helpful course where it takes all that information that you could get from spending hundreds of hours uh, searching the internet and puts it all in one place for you to learn and knowing that that information is correct rather than what you might get from a forum. So head over to elk101.com, click on the University of Elk Hunting, and use the coupon code EASTMEETSWEST. That'll save yourself 20% off of the online course. And also, I just wanted to uh, throw out, in addition to that, today for um, with the guest who's on today's podcast is Heather Kelly from Heather's Choice. Um, So Heather's Choice has been a company, as you'll hear, that I've been supporting from its very, very, very beginning as it launched the Kickstarter. I found out about them and donated to that Kickstarter. They have healthy, delicious, dehydrated food for adventures. They're gluten-free backpacking meals and snacks that are perfect companion for any trip. There's you know anything from the breakfast to the, the dinner entrees to the packaroons, which are everyone's favorites. Yeah, check those out. And um, if you do use the coupon code West, you'll get free shipping on any orders, which coming from Alaska, that can save you some money. So check that out at heatherschoice.com, and you'll learn a lot more about it here in this episode. So it is Tuesday, and which means that yesterday was Mountain Buck Monday, so I'm going to go over the, the Mountain Buck Monday story of the week, and this one comes from Jacob McMurray. And Jacob said, me and my best friend decided one weekend on a wild hare we were going to go to Ohio and hunt for five days. When I thought of Ohio, I thought of broken farmland, but the, the state forest that I was hunting was anything but that. It was just like hunting back home for me minus all the briars. But I blazed the trail through a three-year-old cutover to the top of the finger ridge and sat on the Southeast side where I met the hardwoods on the second morning of the hunt. I had this buck come in to 20 yards and I double lunged him being about two miles in on public land made for one heck of a drag, but it was all worth it. And if you have, if you have social media, want to head over to the East meets West hunt, Instagram and East meets West outdoors Facebook page, Check it out. You can see the pictures of Jacob's buck, a freaking dandy of a a deer that came out of the Ohio mountain country. And just, like I said, beautiful deer and a great story. A lot of things you can learn from that. Talking about hunting the edges, you know, on the Southeast side there, Nathan Killen brings that up a lot. Very, very good things learned from this story. And I want to hear your story. Please send it in. Send in your, your mountain buck stories. Even send in if you had a successful, you know, Western hunt for the first time, or, or not even the first time, if you're from the East and you've done it a bunch of years. I want to hear the story, I want to share these stories. So please send them over to me either through Instagram, which is probably the easiest, or through email at, at eastmeetswesthunt.com. So please, please send those over. I uh, look forward to checking those out. And also I just wanted to give a, an update here. So I just, this past weekend was the rattlesnake or I guess venomous snake opener in Pennsylvania, which is crazy to most people because no one knows that, well, not no one, but most people don't know that there's an actual season for it in Pennsylvania. You know, there's some States that are just illegal to kill rattlesnakes and others that people just kill them, um, you know, at random. But in Pennsylvania, you're allowed. You can get an over-the-counter tag now, which used to be a permit. Um, walk anywhere, you can buy a fishing license, as it's managed by the Fishing Boat Commission, and buy a tag. So these tags um, are good for one rattlesnake. It has to be a male, which and over 42 inches in length. So it's very difficult to to find, you know, a snake of that size and everything, and and, you know, make sure that you're handling them correctly and not and you know really being able to identify them correctly in a safe manner. It's it's not easy. But uh anyways, I, I went out with a good friend of mine, Alex Geithner, um, his buddy Shane, as well as John John Adams, who He filmed the whole hunt, which will be coming out on his YouTube here shortly. I'll, I'll share a a clip, but, um, John had filmed for Jim Shockey before Whitetail Adrenaline. Um, Eastman's worked for them full-time for three years amongst a lot of other things. John's super talented and just wanted to come try out uh, rattlesnake hunting. So he brought his camera along and documented it. So I'm excited to see how that turns out, but, um, I ended up, filling my tag, uh, within a few hours that more, the first morning and on a, a big 50 inch black phase male. So, uh, that's a, my second biggest snake. And just, so now I got uh, a black phase and a yellow phase and, uh, came home, skinned it out, got the meat, um, got that in the freezer right now. I'm going to think about how I'm going to cook this up. I've grilled it in the past, but might do it a little bit different. I'm not sure. Need to flesh out the skin and get some glycerin on that and hang it up to dry but um other than that it uh it was it was a pretty fun day to get out and and do some hunting again it's amazing you know we we saw 10 rattlesnakes in like two hours it's it's, it's crazy that uh there's, the population is doing that well in parts of pennsylvania so Anyways, uh, enough rambling on here. Let's uh, jump into this podcast here with Heather Kelly from Heather's Choice. And Heather is, has been a, a longtime friend of mine, as I said. And uh, she's very intelligent when it comes to nutrition. And I've really looked up to her from learning on from the business side of things. There's a bunch of stuff you can pull away from this episode. So I hope you enjoy. All right, we're live. I am talking through the, the Skype phone call, which happens to be pretty often nowadays. I don't get to meet with people in person, but uh, this one, I'm talking to a friend of mine all the way up in Alaska, Heather Kelly. What's up, Heather?
1: Hey, how are you? I'm excited for you to come up here this summer again.
0: <laughs> I know. I am so pumped. What, what did I tell you when... so just a quick background here. Heather was on episode three of the podcast. One of the first ones I, you know, had recorded. So if you haven't listened to that one, definitely go back and check it out. But I recorded that with her in person up in Alaska in your backyard. That was a trip that like just changed a lot for me (laughs) is the reason why I'm coming back, you know, this August. I, I told you, I said next within the next couple of years, I'm coming to hunt Alaska. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yep. And now you're, you're making the trip. Our last time we were recording, remember we were in, I think we were in your tent and my, are <laughs> the dog Cole kept like <laughs> busting through the mesh to like steal all of your things. It was <laughs> such a shit show. It was so funny. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Cole came through and took yeah my pillow and like all and like some of my food was dragging out of the tent and we were we were in my uh, seek outside simmer on teepee and i had that like bug nest and we were inside that because the 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 bugs were so bad and i'm just like looking out of the dog just taking all of my shit and Dragging it through the yard, it was hilarious.
1: <laughs> you will be very happy to hear that Cole is still a big part of our life, and he's our dog Django's best buddy, and he is still a terror. So nothing has changed in Cole's world. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's so funny. I uh, uh, that that trip was that trip was awesome. Uh, to like I said, it really changed um, my whole view of wanting to you know hunt Alaska and and just. Finally, this year it's made it happen. When I say finally, it's only been two years later, but I'm just I'm super pumped to to get up there.
1: Yeah, what's the whole story with this trip that you're gonna do? Because obviously, hopefully, we get to see you for a hot second while you're headed out to go hunting. But what all are you gonna do while you're up here?
0: So it's pretty. It's a pretty streamlined trip where we're flying in. flying into Anchorage and then early in the morning, the next morning heading up to Kotzebue, Alaska, and then flying in a float plane from there, uh, into basically just North of the Arctic circle and hunting some caribou. So it's just, uh, me and a friend of mine, Michael Palladino, are getting dropped off. And then Justin Mueller, who filmed, uh, my old hunt. I just, uh, I haven't even talked about that on the podcast yet, but he, uh, I just signed him on to come do a film for it and take some photos. And I just said I needed to, uh, I needed to have this trip documented better than I could by myself. So I'm, and Justin's just a stand standout guy. So I'm pumped to do that. They're going to drop us off. um, Just an unguided caribou hunt for seven days.
1: Yay. That's so exciting. So You're gonna get a kick out of this. My cousin Megan works with a flight service out of Kotzebue, so don't be surprised if like some gorgeous blonde gal is helping you like shuttle your gear to the bush plane, and she's probably my cousin.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. That's
1: how Alaska is that small. It's so freaking (laughs) silly.
0: Yeah, which she's on the complete opposite side of the state, and you're like, oh, if you run into. Uh, this gorgeous blonde girl then I know her. <laughs> I'm related yep, to her. Totally. We're related. <laughs> Alaska's one big small town.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's oh gosh. It, I love it up here, especially this time of year. Like the winters are so hard and then the summers make it so worthwhile because like last night we were up hanging out with our friends till two in the morning and it's like, oh, I think it's getting light out. We should probably go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> Oh so, uh, yep, yeah, we we love it here.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. So Heather, you uh, you know you you you've grown up your whole life in Alaska and everything, but you had recently just got back from well, not recently, I guess now, but it, se- it seems like recently, a uh, rafting trip in the the Grand Canyon. I want to hear about it because I have not talked to you since you've been on that trip.
1: Oh my gosh, yeah. So I when I was. T- 22, I think, was my first month long Grand Canyon rafting trip. And that was kind of my first major backcountry experience. Like, sure, I'd been camping a couple times and whatever, but when I got the invite to go on this 20 some odd day rafting trip with like way bigger white water than I'd ever run before in the desert, a place I'd never been, it was like, holy smokes, what am I getting myself into? And since then, this was actually my fifth month-long Grand Canyon trip I've done in the last 10 years. Um, and the Grand Canyon honestly feels like home away from home for me. It's probably the way you feel about like the Pennsylvania uh, woods that you get to play in, where you've spent so much time there. I bet it feels safe, and it almost feels like going home. That's kind of my experience of the Grand Canyon, is it is it feels like going home which is such a crazy concept because you're going to like this big ditch like in the (laughs) middle of winter
0: (laughs) no i can i can relate to that uh actually with when i where i was elk hunting in colorado for the first three years of elk hunting like that spot when i drive up to that trailhead it just felt like the first time i was there i was so you know you know, afraid of, you know, cause just not knowing the unexpected. And by the time I was there my third year after spending 20 some days total in that area, it was just like, it felt right.
1: Yep. Yeah. So yeah, I was really fortunate to, to get to go back. Uh, our friends have sort of a system where we put in, we apply for permits every winter and we have a group of people that we just kind of stack dates. So we all kind of agree on five dates that we want to apply for. And so then if anybody in our group gets a permit, we all get to go on the trip. And so there's people who have applied to go on the Grand Canyon and have waited 10, 15, 20 years and have never gotten a permit. But those are typically people who are applying for the summer months, which those trips are way busier. It's also the commercial season. It's way freaking hotter, obviously, But for us, we just love these January-February trips because it's about anywhere from 30 to 70 degrees at the bottom of the canyon, depending on where you are and depending on the weather. But usually there's a high-pressure system, and like over the 25 days, I think we had one day of rain, uh, and the rest of it was sunshine. So it's a pretty nice way to spend (laughs) February, if you ask me. Yeah,
0: I'd say. Oh, that's yeah. that's awesome. That's yeah, and where you live in Alaska, does the weather get really bad there in the winter time?
1: Yeah, yeah. When I left here, <laughs> it was twenty below at our house. Like <laughs> snowing like crazy and twenty below, and I was like, okay, here, I'm gonna throw all my river gear into the back of the car and like drive to the airport and like see you later. It is so freaking cold and dark here in the wintertime. You gotta get out of Anchorage or Fairbanks or wherever you live in Alaska it's just a good idea to take a break and go somewhere else for a bit.
0: <laughs> That's funny. But then, um, so once you, so once you got down there and took off, you said it was a 30 day trip.
1: Yeah. So this one, I've done 30 day trips. This one was actually just 25, but we Only. have a group of, I know we're so spoiled. <laughs> we have a group of uh, 15 people and we took five 18 foot rafts. And so we have the whole trip outfitted uh, by Pro River Outfitters, which I can't recommend enough. And so basically you say, you know, you can take a maximum of 16 people and you can go for a maximum of 25 days. So they bring all the gear uh, they pre-pack all of your food. And so all you have to do is bring your own personal gear, any, like, drinks that you want for a month, and you show up just, like, ready to blow up the boats and, like, put everything together and load everything into the rafts. And honestly, Bo, it's, like, glorified car camping. Like, you bring costumes, you bring, like, your biggest, baddest tent, you bring musical instruments and games like you can bring so much stuff. And so these boats end up being probably like two to 3000 pounds each and you have three or four passengers per boat. It's nuts. Like imagine an 18 foot raft just packed to the gills with stuff. And yeah, it's I freaking love it because I love getting to actually row those boats and the water is big and burly, but like, honestly, you want your boat to be fairly heavy because those waves are like, so likely to flip you over. Whereas if you have a heavier boat, you can sit a little bit lower in the water and have less of a risk of flipping depending Mm -hmm. on the rapid. So yeah, you, you're just super comfortable. You can bring whatever you want. Uh, you really get tight with a group of fifteen or sixteen people, depending on how many are on your trip, and you will leave that month-long adventure with like fifteen new best friends. It's awesome.
0: So these is so you, these are all random people based on how if they draw the permit.
1: Ah, uh, so typically the way it works is one person will draw the permit. So whoever the trip leader is, in this instance, my buddy Travis Taylor pulled the permit. And then he got to invite 15 people. And so do you remember Micah when you were up here in Alaska?
0: Yeah, Micah Ness.
1: So Micah Ness, he invited basically half the people that came on the trip. So like Travis invited a bunch of people. I invited Micah. Micah invited his friends. And so it's like, ideally, it's kind of a group of people you already know or somebody knows or somebody vouched for him. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and then you just end up getting to know those folks over the course of, you know, the whole month and gosh, every single trip I've gone on, it can be a little intimidating. Cause you're like, how am I going to get along with this person on, you know, a 25 day trip sharing everything. Uh, but man, every single trip I've come away with new friends and people that like I would do trips with every year if I could. So it's a very good opportunity to learn a lot about yourself and how you play well with others or not. Yeah. <laughs> Cause it's a lot of teamwork to get everybody safely down the
0: river. You no, know, it kind of sounds almost like when you go on, you know, an extended hunt or anything with a group of people, like I'm sure like the same thing, you kind of see everyone's true character and how they react under, stress or being tired or just being annoyed (laughs) I'm sure
1: yes absolutely yeah and that's where so this trip for me having being that it was my fifth time like it's almost like you kind of have a routine and like you just sort of settle into this routine of getting up in the morning uh, someone makes coffee you're usually waking up before sunrise because you need to like get camp all packed up and get the boats loaded and get on the river. And you'll spend six to eight hours a day actually rafting. So it's a ton of boating time because you cover about 220 some odd miles. And then you, at the end of the day, you find a great campsite, you unload the boats, you get camp set up. We're building bonfires with uh, all the driftwood that we collect along the way. And you just settle into this like incredible routine where every single day you're outside you're waking up with the sunrise you're staying up late with your friends looking at the stars and sitting around the campfire and playing music and eating a bunch of food and oh god there's like nothing else on earth I would rather do like if that river just went forever I would be like yes this is my life. This is all that I'm doing. It's just rafting.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That that is so cool. I'm sure that was a a good break uh, to away from from the business and everything as well.
1: Yeah, it was crazy because we I had done buyer meetings for Sportsman's Warehouse and REI in December. And I let them know like, hey, I actually need, you know, an update on our initial POs by January 15th. I didn't tell them why I needed it by then, but ultimately I needed it by then so that I could go on this rafting trip. (laughs) (laughs) And so then January 15th came and went and like, I hadn't heard from the buyers and I'm like, Oh shit. Like, am I actually going to get to go on this trip or do I need to like stay and keep hammering the keyboard to make sure like these deals actually go through? And thankfully, my mentor, Dan, and Brad, my boyfriend, were like, you have to go on this trip, like pack your bags, get on the airplane, like we'll take care of it. And so Brad and I were able to uh, text message back and forth with the inReach. And it was about halfway through that river trip that I got an inReach message from Brad saying like, we got the Sportsman's Warehouse PO, So I like run up the beach to all my friends and I'm like, we did it. We got the purchase orders and like everybody just hollered and celebrated. And it was very, very dynamic. But man, taking a month off of a business is uh, a little risky.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) yeah. And you've been running crazy. I mean, since you've started, but I know in the last couple of years, it's been, it's been a lot.
1: Yeah, it's definitely been a lot, but man, it's it's starting to, to kind of gain some momentum. I think we're about to turn. Heather's Choice is going to be six years old in August and man, so much has changed in six years for the better. And so I think I'm finally getting to the point of building this really amazing team of people that understands that I need to be able to like step away and go do some of these backcountry trips. And it's, it's really, really nice. There's a lot to be said for building a good team of people.
0: Yeah, that's, that's, it's so cool to watch that, you know, since the beginning. And so, Heather, you and I have talked about it before, but I first heard about you and Heather's choice and back, I think, I don't remember what year it was, but it had it been right at the beginning because. You were on like one of the first episodes of Adam Yonke's Beyond the Kill, and you were talking about your Kickstarter. I believe that's where I f- found it at. And I went and I was like reading about it, like you know healthy food options. And at that point, I was just learn- learning about backcountry hunting. And then I ended up you know putting money to fund it, and you know, and then started buying some things even before I started. You know, I just started using it in Pennsylvania before I started doing any backcountry trips and and then, you know, watching that evolve and then getting to, you know, become friends with you and Brad and the rest of the team and getting to come to Alaska. It's just been a really cool experience to see from, you know, the outside of it.
1: Yeah, it's it is really, really cool. It's very, very humbling. And Shit, I remember when you called me and you're like, So I've got this idea for East Meets West and like <laughs> I don't know. And I'm like, What? Of course. Like what are you doing? Like you have to do this. Do this and look at you now. <laughs>
0: uh, I know. Yeah. I, I I can actually remember where I was at that phone calls in like four houses ago where I lived. And I was <laughs> I, I, I was standing in my living room pacing back and forth and you're just like, No, like you know, basically quit being a little bitch and do it. Like that's, I don't know if you said it in that words, but that's the way I took it. And I, I, I needed that push, you know,
1: <laughs> it's, it's so freaking cool. And I feel like, you know, before you and I hit record, we were talking about this a little bit of just like, we don't know what all is going to come. Like, we don't know what all is going to become of your business or mine, but we can see, like 20 feet in front of us and be like, Oh yeah. Okay. Like, I think this is the next step. And like, then maybe the next step becomes clear and the next step and the next step. And I feel like for Heather's choice, a lot of people from the outside could, could criticize the journey and be like, gosh, it's taken a really long time for it to grow to what it is. I'm surprised it's not bigger or, you know, they've like screwed up a bunch or lost like, there's been so much that has transpired. But honestly, I feel like it couldn't have gone any faster. Because like, I wasn't ready. There was so many things that I needed to learn. Like, as an example, like the bookkeeping and accounting and finance side of the business. Like when I came in and started Heather's Choice, I didn't have any concept of what a margin was, or pricing or distribution. Like, None of it, like didn't understand any of that stuff. So it took quite a few years for me to like learn that stuff and fully grasp it to now be ready to go into these buyer meetings and to negotiate margins and to negotiate distribution. But had you put me in that situation any sooner, like I would have fallen flat on my face because I wouldn't have known what I was talking about. So all, all this stuff happens in divine timing and i feel like business is such an opportunity much like grand canyon rafting trips or backcountry hunts like it's such an opportunity to kind of learn what you're made of and what you can handle and how you react to to stress and to uncertainty and taking risk and being uncomfortable <laughs> yeah
0: yeah no, that, that's, that's so, it's so cool to watch. Like I said, and you know, from me knowing you, I've got to hear your journey when we, every once in a while, you know, talk on the phone and kind of give updates, but like also seeing it through, you know, the Heather's choice Instagram page and seeing, you know, when you and Brad are in there, you know, put, putting labels on the packages and going through and doing all this crazy stuff and like just seeing that and then seeing it grow as you have employees now and, you know, just earn more employees and just keep growing with it. It's so one, it's so cool to watch that from from me, you know, I enjoy it one from seeing it from knowing you guys, but also from the standpoint of like being, you know, a small business owner myself and kind of trying to learn this process cuz like like you said i i knew absolutely nothing you know about anything and i still really don't but i just like continually <laughs> try to learn you know and just like when when things come in front of me i'm just like okay well this is another kind of hill here i got to figure out how to navigate and watch a lot of youtube videos and talk to people and and try, <laughs> try to try to figure out my way way through it and it's It's uh, inspiring to see, you know, I I, I think in in six years, Heather's choices come a long ways. That's for sure.
1: Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's crazy because so I met Brad like three days after starting the business. So he's been with me through the entirety of this journey. And it's so funny how like there'll be an evening where we're just like lounging on the couch, watching a movie, being super lazy and I'll sometimes be like, ah, you know, like we should be doing something else. And I'm like, you know, a lot has transpired in the last six years of like us being together and growing this business. Like there has really not been a dull moment. Like you and I both just like got houses for the first time and like are still running our businesses and like in relationships, like there's still so much going on. And as I described it to you earlier, like my, my life experience feels very, very rich <laughs> <There's a laughs> lot going on all the time.
0: <laughs> uh, wow. He's a, uh, he, he's been with you from the very beginning through all those trials and tribulations. That's, that's awesome.
1: <laughs> yep. Oh my gosh. And I don't think I ever told you that. So Brad and I had been dating for, I don't know, two or three months and I was like, Hey, so I'm going to go on a Grand Canyon trip. Uh, it's 30 days. Uh, of us sharing a tent and we're going to be on a raft together and my best friend, uh, ex-boyfriend, and my stepdad are going to be there. Do you want to come? And Brad (laughs) came with me on that trip and he just like, he totally like he was so great. Like if you can spend 30 days in a tent with somebody and you're 30 days dirty and like, you still want to snuggle up with them. Like they're probably a keeper.
0: Yeah. (laughs) That's so funny. The the fact that he agreed to it, you know, that early on that's, that says something about him too.
1: (laughs) Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. He got sucked in pretty quick.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. No, but the, so explain a little bit about, um, you know your reasoning for starting Heather's Choice and, and what it is. I mean, we've, like I said, you've been on the podcast before, and anybody that's listened to any of the episodes, I bet on seventy you know, percent of them that it's mentioned at some point. So I'm sure it's not uh, news to anybody what Heather's Choice is, but I'd like to get a little background on it.
1: Yeah, totally. So I, I was I grew up in Alaska, went to school in Bellingham, was a collegiate rower for four years. Had a really successful rowing career, learned a ton about sports nutrition, had a pretty uh, atrocious relationship with food through that whole journey. So I ended up going on to study at the Institute for the Psychology of Eating and just learning a lot about our relationship with food and what that all entails. And out of that, as I was learning about eating psychology, I also found myself really steeped in the CrossFit community back in Colorado. And so there I was doing crossfit, learning more about nutrition, furthering my my knowledge. I also began coaching athletes on their nutrition and really helping people to understand how a whole foods nutrition program was really going to kind of make or break their recovery and performance. So I had a ton of success with my first business called Open Nutrition. And finally in 2014, you know, I was just like you know, I'm living in an air conditioned apartment, like driving an air conditioned car to an air conditioned gym, like, I want to go home. I'm like, I'm super over this right now. And so in 2014, I moved home to Alaska, and really got back into pack rafting, which is something I had done years prior. And as I was doing more pack rafting trips, which is where Imagine you're going backpacking, but you're also carrying a personal size raft and a life jacket and a helmet and a dry suit and all the shit. Like it's basically like hunting. Like there's the amount of stuff you have to bring is kind of (laughs) ridiculous. And so here I am like little miss, I eat healthy all the time and I'm a badass athlete and I would go to try to pack for these trips and I'm like, this food sucks. Like I won't eat any of this because I followed such a stringent paleo diet like I didn't eat legumes I didn't eat refined sugars I didn't eat dairy wheat all of it was out and so realizing that anything that was already pre-packaged and available didn't meet my nutritional standards I ended up dehydrating my own food and fell in love with the stuff I was making so like I distinctly remember making the very first batch of smoked sockeye salmon chowder and being like I'm a freaking genius. (laughs) This is so freaking good. And I (laughs) love this meal. And like, this is what I want to eat when I'm out pack rafting or backpacking or whatever. And so that summer of 2014, as I'm like ferociously dehydrating stuff and giving out samples to friends and super excited about it, uh, a buddy of mine who I had met on my first Grand Canyon trip, his name's Jason. He basically sat me down and was like, what's it going to take for you to turn this into a business? And I'm like, well, you know, I need like a bigger dehydrator and like, I need some money to like get this thing off the ground. And so he drove me to Cabela's and bought me the biggest dehydrator that they had. Uh, He let me live in his fourplex for free. So I had a free place to live. He bought me the dehydrator, helped me get an EIN number and a business license and said like, I triple dog dare you to do this. So that was six <laughs> years ago. <laughs> <laughs> and it's been it's been an incredible journey. And so to this day, like Heather's Choice still stands for putting healthy, delicious, good quality food in people's packs. We have the smallest packaging of any product on the market. Uh because I had originally started the business with like pack rafting in mind and knowing that pack space was super valuable. And thankfully, I think the quality of our products has like only improved over time. Uh, so it's it's just been really cool to see. Like even today, we were having a meeting about the packaging design and talking about like making the zipper burlier for when somebody's out there and their hands are really cold and they're trying to zip the bag shut with gloves on. Like it's still really baked into, into Heather's choice that our products are made for the person who is out in the backcountry having a really epic experience that needs to be eating good quality food so they can get up and do it again the next day.
0: Yeah. And so let me let me give let me give a little background with so with Heather's choice when I first started using it, you know, my reasoning for it was I wanted something that was, you know, I ate, you know, at the time, you know, relatively clean what I thought and wanted to continue to do that. And I'm like, oh, this is great, you know, high in proteins got you know, it's not just filled with um, salt and all these other things. And I was like, you know, this is something I want to get into. And, and at the time, too, I had I had found out mm, probably a year before that that I had Lyme's disease, and that created a bunch of different food allergies. And so the way that, you know, your meals were prepared and everything made a huge difference for that alone. But what I didn't understand was the benefits you I was going to get from a recovery standpoint so you know when when you're going all day and you're you could be hiking you know somewhere in, in the mountains from anywhere from 7 to 12 miles or whatever it might be underweight and you know not used to doing that day after day after day no matter how much you train you know you're not used to doing that day after day and you know I was waking up feeling good and you know by planning out my food and everything and that was like sold me going forward is like I need to make sure that I am I am planning my nutrition out in my food the same way that I am my gear and going through it with a fine tooth comb and make sure I'm putting you know quality stuff in my body and yeah that's it's been and it's actually been cool to see like you know you've even you know i think you did some articles or blogs or something about it with uh, how to dehydrate your own stuff and it's it's just it's cool to see that information out there now and you know a product that someone can go buy now at some of the sportsman warehouses and reis which is awesome to be able to you know get that so
1: yeah it's it's definitely wild i think that when i started the business there wasn't there wasn't like real big aspirations of like I was just like pretty excited to, to share good food with people. And even still, like, if you come over to my house, like I'm going to make you food. And like, that's my love language is (laughs) (laughs) for people, not because like I'm a master chef or whatever, but like, that's just like, that's my thing is like food. And so it's really pretty cool that I now get to do that on a like national level. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So crazy. But yeah, it will be the day that like you can find Heather's Choice products at every REI, every Shields, every Sportsman's Warehouse, every like kick ass independent gear shop in the country, every natural food store. Like that's going to be a pretty monumental day. And I, I really see that being a possibility for us that, you know, Packrins can be at the natural food store and Heather's choice meals and snacks can be at every REI, and we'll just be freaking cranking out a bunch of good food. It's gonna be a wild ride for many years to come. (laughs) Yeah,
0: that's I I love uh, my favorite thing is when I have you know I'll always have a bunch of packers in my pack, or if I'm at a trade show or whatever it is, and handing them out, and everyone's like, "What are you eating? You know, what are those? What are those things?" And uh, having people try them for the first time, they're awesome little as I call them, coconut cookies. I, I'm not sure if that's the, the right yep, way of saying it, it but it, they're, <laughs> they are just, they're absolutely great. And the same thing with the, the breakfast and the dinners, even though like you've come out with some new flavors and stuff, this, the smoked sockeye salmon, mm, that's, yeah. that's still my favorite. And then the the chicken mole is probably a close second.
1: Yeah. Yep. The salmon chowder goes with me on every trip. That's, yeah. that's always my favorite meal. And Gosh, like that's the thing. I want to to release more meals and more product lines and like keep expanding and growing. And whew, there's already so much like to manage. Um, that's why I'm so highly motivated to like grow the business and to make more money and to be able to hire more people and to be able to to have things move a little bit quicker. Cause I think that. We need more variety in our dinner menu and we need trail mixes and hot drinks and jerkies. And like, there's so much more that we can do with this business and it's just, it's just money, just time, you know?
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not, not, none of those we'll get big there. deals. You're, you're good.
1: <laughs> no, 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 nope. no, not at all. So it's yes. I'm so thrilled to have people like you who are who have been with us for a long time as a business and have stood by us through like all kinds of bullshit. And also like what I think is really cool is thinking about someone like you and like our buddy Micah and our buddy Steve Opat. There's a lot of people that I've gained as friends over the last six years that I know will be my, like they'll be my friends no matter what happens with Heather's choice. Like, sure. We met through the business, but like, we're gonna be lifelong friends, and I don't. want to sure? really Take that lightly. Yes, you're
0: gonna come to Alaska every summer. Remember? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. No, I'm, just, I'm just, kidding. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's that, it. Is so cool to, like I said, it, the journey, like just like how we met, and you know, the business and stuff. I, I love the, I love the message. The people behind it are even better. Like it's just a, it's it's a really cool. It's it's a really cool thing to to be a part of, and I'm I'm really happy that that I've got to kind of be a part of it from the beginning. So that's that's awesome. And so what I want to dive into within you know Heather's choice and kind of your reason behind it comes down to you know. When we've talked before, you and I say offline on things, and when you've talked on other podcasts or writing or whatever it might be, you talk a lot about the emotional connection to food, and I want to I want to dive into that a little bit and hear what what you mean by that statement, you, you know, or not really a statement, but that idea of that emotional connection to food.
1: Yep, this is one of my favorite topics. So when we when all of us are born, we pop out of the womb, and we immediately we cry, right? And the first one of the first responses is like, Oh, baby's crying, like, give it food. Like, that's, and so that is so like, built into our DNA, like, I cry, I get food, or like, I'm emotional, I get food. And that's not good or bad. That's just like, we just have to recognize that's kind of baked into our DNA from like the moment we are born. And then simultaneously what people I don't think realize that I wish I could like stand on a rock and yell to everybody. We all have a relationship with food and it is arguably the longest standing relationship we have in our entire life. And it goes all the way back to that first moment where you cry and you're given milk and like, it just goes on and on and on. Right. So the other factor in that is that without food, we will die. Right. Like food is an absolute necessity, which is where I have a really hard time when people say I'm a food addict. And it's like, that's like saying you're like an air addict. Like you have to have air (laughs) to survive. You have to have water to survive. Like you have to have love. You have to have food. Like these are things we absolutely have to have. And so it gets really sticky when people start to use the language around like food addiction and things like that. So with all of that said, I don't think that most people recognize that they have a relationship with food at all, right? Like Mm -hmm. we just think like, oh, I, I eat and like that's it. But because food is something that we absolutely have to have for our survival, it's actually baked into us as well that the act of eating is meant to be pleasurable, Right. So similarly, like the act of having sex is pleasurable because we want to be highly motivated to have sex so that we can procreate and like continue to build the species. And so this is where people don't, people try to take all of the pleasure out of eating and they try to make it a very transactional thing. Like I did this workout, I get this amount of food, uh, I was awake this many hours, I get this amount of food, and they really just kind of strip all the pleasure out of that relationship. And so you can imagine if you stripped all the pleasure out of having sex or like connecting with somebody, like you wouldn't be real excited about it, (laughs) wouldn't be very motivating. You're like, why am I doing this? This sucks and so for people who are struggling in their relationship with food or in this emotional connection, there's, there's a handful of things that can happen. And this is something that I spent years coaching people on. And obviously if you could see the amount of hand waving I'm doing, like I really, really (laughs) care about this topic. Um, but I, I think that, again, it gets really sticky when we start to use the language around like, I'm addicted to food, I'm an emotional eater. And we sort of shame ourselves in that way. When in all reality, from my perspective, and from my training, we all have a relationship with food, our relationship with food is meant to be highly pleasurable. Like, we're supposed to enjoy the act of eating. And that will not only impact our metabolism and our digestion, it will impact our appetite regulation. And so it can sometimes be sort of astounding for people that one of your top tier priorities in any nutritional program, in my opinion, should actually be like squeezing the pleasure out of every single meal and every bite of food that you have. And the reason for that is because then – you kind of hit this pressure relief valve, like, oh man, that meal was so good. I loved that. I feel so satiated. Like, I ate the perfect amount of food. I feel good. That was delicious. I'm satisfied. I've eaten and I'm done. Whereas, if you have people that are just like trying to strip all the pleasure out of food, trying to make it super transactional, trying to not have an emotional connection with it, all of a sudden, like, you can sit down and eat whatever it is, like chicken and broccoli and rice or a pint of ice cream or whatever. But if you actually didn't get any pleasure out of eating that food, your brain is like, um, excuse me. Hey, like, I actually didn't get anything out of that. You need to eat more. So like, I actually get what I came here for. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, no, that that definitely makes sense. And even like, I I guess I can relate when, if you and I'm not sure if this is kind of going along your point, but if if like say I I can think of yesterday, you know, I was rushing around, I had a bunch of stuff to do, you know, I made dinner real fast and kind of rushed and ate it, and I don't even remember eating it, and it was like not a you know, and it was a good a good meal that I had cooked. I cooked a steak on the grill and everything, and I should have been you know. I guess more satiated by it. And and I wasn't because I was just like always thinking of everything else and not, you know, actually, actually in, enjoying it at that point too. And, and I, I'm not sure if that's, um, in correlation to, to what you're saying, but, uh, it makes sense to me.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, you're, you're hitting it nail on the head there because, that is one of the fastest and easiest ways for people to start to play with their relationship with food is to actually get some awareness around how fast they eat. Because if I sit down and I eat, let's say, like 500 calories worth of food and I eat it really quickly, well, my brain actually didn't get to participate in that. Like I wasn't paying attention And your brain is about 30% of the whole digestive process. It's like the cephalic phase digestive response, blah, blah, blah. And so not, again, you're like impacting your body's ability to digest and absorb that food because you weren't paying attention. Your brain wasn't involved. Your hormone response is all screwed up. And then you might find yourself going and reaching for more food and overeating because you weren't actually paying attention when you were eating at the first time. So if there's like a quick and easy way that I could offer for people to start to play with this, it's to actually focus on like, plating your food, sitting down to eat, observing it, smelling it, tasting it, like really getting all of your senses involved in the act of eating. And that can change people's appetite regulation overnight, like it has an immediate impact on our ability to improve our digestion, have a better relationship with food, improve our metabolism, like it's freaking profound.
0: <laughs> yeah, and that's such an amazing amazing thing that, you know, by doing that, by being cognizant of it like that you can, you know, change your relationship that with it that, you know, impacts your your gut health and If I'm not sure if that's the right term, but you know, just the the way you feel after it.
1: Totally. Well, you can play with that too. Like you could take that same meal you made last night and eat the same thing for a week straight, like make that just like standard dinner and have a night where you just eat it as fast as you can and see like how your digestion is like, does your body feel like bloated and distended or like, do you feel fine? You can eat while you're watching TV and you're distracted and see how it impacts your digestion. You can like savor, eat slowly, get super into it, enjoy every bite, take 20 minutes to eat that same meal and see how your digestion is. And so the food, the type of food and the amount of food could have stayed consistent, but your experience of it can dramatically change. And I I feel like Bo, you as somebody who's really, really intentional with something like shooting your bow, like you, you get this, right? Like you understand if you go rush through target practice, like, wow, I suck at this. Yeah. (laughs) Versus taking your time and being super intentional and like controlling your breathing and controlling your stress response. And I know that you've talked about this in the past, and our bodies really, really, really need to be in that relaxed state in order to fully digest and process our food. Otherwise we're just in the stress response and our body's like shuttling blood to our arms and legs because we're fleeing like onto the next chore or whatever it is. And like that impacts your digestive power. And again, this is me like, really high on my soapbox. Yeah, <laughs> because I think it's so important.
0: Well, yeah. And, and <laughs> I, I know, again, with my personal journey of it is when I, you know, as I've gotten busier with work and the, the podcast and preparing for hunts and all this stuff. Anyways, I, I just feel like I'd put a lot of pressure on myself to get, you know, a bunch of things squeezed into a short amount of time. And I felt like, you know, I was eating good food, if you want to put it that way, but I was still feeling like shit at times. And or uh, another thing I've noticed is when I would eat and I'd rush, I would eat more because I wasn't letting my again my interpretation of it is I wasn't letting my brain wasn't you know catching up to it, not telling me that I was full, and then I'd overeat and then feel again you know terrible. After it, even though it might have been you know quality food that I was eating, but uh, just that the end result was just was not positive.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I think too, you know, when I had the opportunity to work with people one on one in coaching, even just having them fill out like a three or four day food journal, and as they start to recognize, like, oh, I ate my breakfast really fast, I. I skipped lunch cuz I was too busy. I rushed through dinner. Like that's a that that's not a food problem. Like this is a systemic problem. You, you are rushing through your life. Like mm-hmm. what all are you missing? Like what do you like why are you rushing? And I I'm not judging anybody cuz like this girl is like in the thick of that right now. I am like swimming in a pile of paperwork like with you know plates left over from breakfast that I haven't gotten to and like half empty glasses. Like I get it. And for me, like now getting to see that, like that disorganization or that little bit of chaos is a real surefire opportunity for me to step back and say, Ooh, okay. Like time to like, take a break, put the dishes away, sit, get centered, get intentional And immediately, like, you can just take yourself out of that uh, parasympathetic, like, or that stress response and get yourself into, like, a relaxed, calm state. And the trickle-down effect of that will impact every area of your life is being able to regulate your stress response. So, yeah, it is rich and anytime anybody ever wants to talk about eating psychology, like, it's, I love this stuff. And I think that even if people didn't change their diets at all, this could be a game changer for folks,
0: you know, and and one thing that I called you about a few years ago, and I ended up writing a couple articles on it. And I got a mixed response from people on it kind of thinking that, it, my, my theory on this was, was kind of bullshit, but it was that the, the term target panic when it comes to shooting your bow or anything, basically meaning that you're getting you know an elevated heart rate, you're kind of almost in a, a form of adrenaline and you're not able to focus and you, and you shoot poorly, um, you're not able to focus. And I was saying a lot of that was correlated to my diet. And, you know, and I called you about it and was kind of discussing some of the things I was experiencing. You know, I'd get kind of shaky and I was feeling just like I, I was just struggling with, with shooting at times. And, you know, it came down to for me personally, I was looking, I was, I was in, I had taken in too much caffeine, um, especially b- before that. And, or some other foods that were playing with my, you know, my blood sugar and just things like that were just, really had an impact on it. And, you know, and that's something I never thought of before, you know, uh, you know, years ago I would take, you know, whatever food into the tree stand with me and, you know, whether that ended up having an impact or not, I, I don't know, but like knowing my body now and testing things out, like it definitely affects my mental state and the, the way that, you know, whether I get almost panicked about things and, and and I know it. Just in my my regular life, if I'm rushing around, I'm traveling. If I stop and get gas station food or I'm e- eating poorly, my stress levels are higher. I just feel anxious. I have, and maybe my body is reacts more emotionally than others. But that's, you know, what I've experienced. And I don't think I'm kind of alone there.
1: No, and that's that's the gift too. Is if we can start to befriend our bodies and start to listen and like get curious of what is my body trying to tell me right now? You know, it's such a powerful way for us to get a handle on our stress and our health. Cause, and I also think that it's important for you to allow yourself to, to have those experiences again. Cause like, as an example, on Sunday, Brad and I had been out hiking all day and you know, like end of the day, like we made some coffees on the tailgate and then we're like, yeah, like we're going to stop and like get ice cream, like just super, uh, nonchalant. Like it, like we don't go out for ice cream all the time, but it like, it feels novel. And like within two hours of that, like he was exhausted and tired and like sleepy. I had the shakes like so freaking bad. And I was like, oh, this is what a blood sugar crash feels like. Yeah. <laughs> like i'd I'd almost forgotten because like, I try really hard to not just eat a shitload of sugar all in one sitting. But it's important for us to to uh, like experience those things for ourselves. Like, what does it feel like when my blood sugar crashes? or what does it feel like when I'm fat adapted and I can go for a handful of hours without eating? or what does it mean if I have like, regular consistent balanced meals like there's so much opportunity for us to have curiosity in our relationship with food and it makes us better at our jobs it makes us better at in the backcountry in the gym it makes us like nicer to be around because if you're hangry and you're snapping at your partner like then you're a jerk <laughs>
0: like, yeah
1: you just need to eat something so I think that our relationship with food impacts every single area of our life. And I think it is also a mirror for us of how we relate to other aspects of our lives and people can deny that all day long, but man, Oh man, I really, really, really think, especially as backcountry athletes putting ourselves into dangerous situations, like areas where we need to be self-sufficient, the weather's incremental, there's big, scary animals out there. <laughs> like, yeah. We need to be on, like, we need to be on, like, we need to be focused. We need to be alert. We need to be healthy. Like, I just, I think that food does play a very large part in our backcountry experience, um, Hence, why I have a food business?
0: <laughs> <laughs> you said you said something that made me laugh when you said about being hangry. I was having a conversation with uh, my girlfriend a few weeks ago, and I came home from work and and I was extremely hungry. And she's like, I, she goes, "I look at you. It's like you're not even like a not." I'm looking right through you like you're just <laughs> so out of it like you're not even not even like cognizant of what you're doing and where you're at like I just I not like I get angry I just get like to like I just can't think I can't I just don't want to talk I'm just <laughs> in a bad place like my relationship with food is like a, a very important part of of my life I'd say <laughs> Yeah totally <laughs> which it is for everybody I guess it's just whether you're recognizing that or not, and and even when like, so one thing that I've trained myself to do and realize like, for me personally, I used to get up and I, I get up and work out before I go to work, so I'm getting up early, and I used to eat breakfast before I did that, and then I'd realize I was super hungry, you know, early on right after that. So now I've I've taught myself to, I just I get up and I go work out, and then I'll eat something afterwards, and. That's helped me out for when I go on backcountry hunts because when you when I wake up like I'm not in the mood just to you know pile down some food so I'll, I'll get up and I'll you know hike to say a glassing point or whatever it is and then you know maybe a few hours into the morning then I'll fire up the jet boil and get some buckwheat breakfast out and you know and cook up some food but it's and that's that's helped me a lot of of just being able to. I don't know, like for me personally, that's been something that's that's helped me out a lot.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that's where, you know, that's a whole other topic we can cover too is just talking about fat adaption and what that even means and why it's important and what the difference is between men and women. Because I think it's important for all of us to have that ability to like wake up and go a few hours without eating and not get super low blood sugar. Mm-hmm. But what I'm seeing on the extreme end of that is everybody like really pushing hard on this keto train and especially for women of childbearing age who are like very physically active. I'm like, no, <laughs> don't do it. So like w- there can be extremes in that. And I I just want to like preface that like you don't have to be paleo. You don't have to be keto. You don't have to be plant based. In order to start to get curious about how your body responds to food, how you regulate your blood sugar, how you regulate being hangry, how you experience food and what your relationship is with it. Like, it is so multifaceted. Um, But I'm very, 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 very proud of you for having awareness about how your body responds to food because that's the only thing that really matters.
0: Now, don't get me wrong here, Heather, although I'm aware of it, I don't always make the best decisions with it.
1: (laughs) Oh, neither do I. I think I told you last night, like we like made tacos and like stayed up till two in the morning drinking margaritas with our friends, like not a great nutritional choice. But when I feel like shit the next day, like I don't have to wonder why.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Uh, that's, that's so funny. And so, all right. So if you were going on say or really with everyday life but you know specifically for this talking about say going on a backcountry trip you know what would you recommend as far as like a a balance of things or what what would you recommend putting in kind of your your diet there
1: so i think for for people who are going on backcountry trips your nutrition plan starts way before you ever go on the trip right like As you already said, you basically practice your nutritional strategy in the off-season, and then that carries into your backcountry trips. If you're somebody who's even just going out for like an overnighter or something short, I think that focusing on getting enough protein is a big one because most of us don't even do that in our day-to-day lives. So I'm, I'm a huge advocate for finding good sources of protein at every meal and snack. So backcountry trips that might be uh, it might be some protein powders, it might be jerkies, it might be nuts and seeds which are like m- mediocre at best for providing protein, but it's something. Uh, we always bring like salamis and raw cheeses,
0: dehydrated
1: meals that have a good amount of protein in them. But protein is the thing that's really going to contribute to you recovering well. It's one of the pieces that will allow you to recover well from the strenuous activity. And it will also help regulate your appetite. So that's kind of like priority number one for me is making sure that I have enough good quality protein. And then from there, I'd start looking at like the good quality fats that you're going to have. So this is where nuts and seeds, uh, coconut oil, coconut products uh like butters and ghees and things like that like you can do a lot like just getting some good quality fats into your diet and then last but not least like get some freaking fiber right like you're going to get fiber from fruits and from vegetables and grains and beans and things like that so this is again where if you have a healthy diet at home that includes all three macronutrients and is nutritionally balanced When you're going out into the backcountry, you can either ratchet up the amount of fats that you're taking or you can ratchet up the amount of carbs. Maybe you do both. You get some more like salt, maybe some more sugar because you're more insulin sensitive. But the nutritional strategy for the backcountry, I think, is simply like 20 to 50% more calories than what you typically are eating at home and the same macronutrient balance in my opinion.
0: Mhm. Okay. Uh, and and what you the I can't stress enough being someone that learned this, you know, after the first year of uh that really practicing, uh, I guess shouldn't say practicing, but the way of um preparing for your hunt and you know eating similarly you know all through your life because if you go there and i don't care if it's you know heather's choice products or it's anybody else's and you just start putting all that stuff into your body on the trip your body is not going to react great your stomach's not going to like it you need to be ready for all that protein and, and the fats and stuff and like or otherwise like i said you're you're going to have some um, experiences that are, are unpleasurable <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Totally. I think that that's, that's again, where like, if you struggle with digestion, you know, free, easy advice, start paying attention to how quickly you eat your meals, like that will get you tons of bang for your buck doesn't cost you anything. Next up, I think that people starting to get an awareness around the foods that they are sensitive to. So like, I'm not sure what your laundry list is. But I know for myself, like, if I have too much dairy, like that will screw with me. If I have too many carbohydrates, too much sugar, like that stuff doesn't sit well with me. So that's another piece that people can focus on. And then, like you already said, like if people don't have an awareness of like their macronutrient balance, they might go out there and eat a whole bunch of fats and be like, "Ugh, why? <laughs> that feels." awful on my digestion potentially because they're not producing enough uh bile or they don't have enough stomach acid there's so many moving parts and i'm gonna wholeheartedly agree with you that people need to practice this stuff just like they would anything else so that they have an awareness of how their body is going to respond to this uptick in calories that they're suddenly going to be taking in
0: yeah yeah and and so like you're talking about with the oils and stuff and and the fats, like so when I go on trips to up my calories, you know, I'm adding coconut oil to my coffee, or sometimes I don't like just get, I I don't add to my coffee just because I don't like getting my cup, you know, kind of oily like that, but I'll put it right into my buckwheat breakfast. Um, And then I'll put olive oil in my dinners additional just to up those calories and those fats. But if you don't kind of prepare for that up, going forward, like I said, that's, that's a pretty, you know, high increase in fats. Like my, when I look at my food plan that I have laid out in a spreadsheet and I'm, I'm pretty sure I've actually written an article uh, for you, Heather, on the Heather's Choice blog of, of, you know, what I've taken on trips, but like I I have a pretty high protein and and fat and and a mix of carbs in there too. But like it, if you, if you don't kind of live that lifestyle a little bit, like I said, you're just gonna, you're gonna struggle with it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that's where I would like to do a better job of, of talking about this stuff even more. Cause again, like I know that there are people who are, who are getting great results on a ketogenic diet at home. Uh, and there's even people who are doing great on it in the back country. Those people are typically like 25 to 50 year old men. Um, you're not going to see as many women who are like really truly excelling on a super duper less than 30 grams of carbohydrates nutrition plan, like period. And so I, I just want to be careful too to, to not generalize and lead people into thinking like, Oh, just eat a bunch of proteins and fats and you'll be fine. It's like, yeah, Yeah. (laughs) that's not the whole picture. That's only part of it. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) That's funny. Um, yeah, but other than that, so give a give a few of your favorites that you like to take in the backcountry. Some of your your Heather's Choice products, as well as other things that you like to take to meet your nutritional needs.
1: Yeah, totally. So on this Grand Canyon trip, as an example, which is you know a twenty some odd day backcountry trip, we're able to bring all kinds of different foods, so you can eat whatever. But I supplemented my nutrition plan with a bunch of some of my favorite stuff. So I eat a lot of like sprouted grain breads and that's a whole nother topic, but sprouted grains are much more digestible than unsprouted. So I'll bring like sprouted bread and I will either preferably eat eggs and some sort of breakfast meat. Uh, That's typically how I start my day. So I'm getting fiber, carbohydrates, proteins and fats all in one whack. If I can get like some leafy green vegetables in there, I'll do that too. If it's like more of a a camping trip where we're actually packing in somewhere, the blueberry Heather's Choice buckwheat breakfast all day, like either the blueberry one or I'll bring the banana buckwheat breakfast and squeeze a packet of peanut butter in there. Ugh, Ooh. It's so good. So freaking good. Oh, it's that like,
0: sounds great.
1: Dude, it's, like, 730 calories. It's a lot of food. Like, you are not going to go hungry with, like, the banana breakfast and a packet of peanut butter. So, I'll do that and then probably two cups of coffee because I am a coffee hound. Uh, For lunches, we've been bringing these, like, Mary's Gone crackers. They really hold up well and you can get them at the grocery store. And they're, once again, like, a gluten-free cracker. But we'll do those with sliced cheese, like a raw cheddar or something like that. And then uh, salami. So it's almost like really gourmet Lunchables. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> do you remember eating Lunchables? Yeah,
0: I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so much and plastic in the packaging with a little food in there.
1: <laughs> totally, yes. Yeah. So like, I would basically have this like super gourmet little snack platter when I was on my raft because – when I'm rafting, like typically you're rowing all day and not taking breaks to like actually have a lunch. So I needed something kind of quick and easy that I could eat while I was rowing. And then in that case, I'll have like whole apples or whole vegetables. If it's backcountry stuff, then potentially I'll have dried fruit or Lara bars or things like that. Cause again, like we, none of us eat enough fruits and vegetables. And then dinner time, like I've already said it, but, The Heather's Choice Salmon Chowder is by far my favorite meal. Like, I will eat that all the time, and it's really, really filling. Uh, My second choice, oh, it might actually be the Mom's Spaghetti, and the Mom's Spaghetti with, like, a little bit of Parmesan cheese shaved on top Oh God, it's so freaking good. Mm. And the mom spaghetti, the reason I love it so much is because it's a meal that I will make at home all the time for Brad and I, which is like gluten free noodles, some sort of ground lean meat, zucchini, mushrooms, marinara sauce. Like once again, it's just that really vegetable rich, high protein, moderate carbohydrate meal that like I could eat for I could eat all the time, so it's pretty pretty freaking simple. The other thing that I like to bring is uh, lots of mixed nuts. Like those are just tons of good calories, and like you can eat those as a snack anytime. I brought packeruns, obviously, on my my Grand Canyon trip. Um, I'll bring like a handful of different supplements, like a magnesium supplement to take at night to help with sleep. Uh, what else did I have that was monumental? Not much. Like, it's pretty freaking simple. Yeah. It's just always trying to get make sure you have all three macronutrients, you're eating some fruits and vegetables, and the quality of fats that you're having is good because that's a whole nother hour-long topic is the quality of fats that people are eating and how much that can screw with your inflammation and gut health and blah, blah, blah.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, that's... That's, um, it's all, I think it says so interesting to me and I've, you know, I, I've went through and I've read so much on it and listened to podcasts and, and just listened to my own body on things and trying to learn from it. Food is just like a fascinating, fascinating thing for me. And, and so you were just mentioning the, the mom's spaghetti, uh, meal that you have there. I'm, I'm pumped to try that again this year because I feel like you took it, you took it out of your lineup for a while, right?
1: Yeah. So we had so like, without going too far, I was making everything in my little rinky dink apartment. We were doing co-packing for a handful of years. It was an epic disaster. We got our own kitchen here in Alaska in 2000, end of 2017, early 2018 and so, since we moved into our own dedicated kitchen, we've been able to release new meals or to take old favorites like the mom spaghetti and now make it in our own dedicated kitchen. So that recipe got completely reformulated, um, but it's quickly becoming a bestseller of ours again.
0: <laughs> mm. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm definitely gonna have to add that to my my Alaskan trip this year because that, that I remember that. You know, before when you first had it and and loving it, like you said, it's going to be tough to beat the the sockeye salmon chowder. That is just an absolutely amazing, amazing meal.
1: Yeah, well, make sure you you give us a heads up before you roll through Anchorage because we'll have some R and D stuff to send with you too. There's like four packerun flavors you haven't tried that we're working Ooh. on, and there's other dinners, and yeah, we'll hook you up for sure.
0: Awesome. I'm looking forward to it. Heather, I, I want to thank you for coming on here and talking. I mean, we could talk for hours, but I think that uh, I think we got covered a, a good enough amount of stuff on this one here.
1: Yeah, totally. I'm always happy to come on and chat. <clears throat> if people have follow up questions or want us to dive deeper into any topics, I'm more than happy to do it because I find myself like pretty steeped in business talk all day. And it's very, very fun and refreshing to get to talk food for a little bit. So thanks for having me.
0: Yeah. So where can people find more information on Heather's Choice on you and where they can kind of follow along with the journey?
1: Yeah. So heatherschoice.com, you can find all of our products. You can find our retailers listed on our store locator as well. So as we mentioned earlier, we now have REI and Sportsman's Warehouse stores in the Western States. Um, a pretty limited selection of those stores. So if you can't find us at your local REI or Sportsman's, don't worry. We're coming for you. We'll be there someday. <laughs> um, we also have independent gear stores. We have about 200 independent retailers in the Western states, but we're always looking for more of them. So if you have a awesome independent gear store that you'd like us to reach out to, definitely send them our way and then i run our instagram and facebook and email marketing so if you want to like quickly reach out and say hi just send me a direct message on instagram i'll probably be like sitting on the front porch with a glass of wine answering instagram messages so that's the yeah. easy way to reach me
0: now <laughs> oh, perfect well, again heather it's it's pretty cool to to get you back on here as you were you know along the ride from the beginning and uh you know a big part of this so i'm i'm pumped to get to have you on here and and looking forward to to getting to see you in august
1: yeah thank you so much bo enjoy your new house and we'll see you soon
0: yeah we'll see you Heather.